Please welcome Matt. Does this man handle this? <laughs> My mother was pregnant for 99 months of her life. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I guess because I'm the youngest of 11 children, I have seven brothers and three sisters, I might know a little something about siblings. In fact, my father is one of 12, excuse me, 12 children in his home growing up. So you could say the Glens are silly with siblings. But when I sat down to think about this, and my mind went completely blank. I mean, I couldn't come up with anything. I could blame that memory loss on the concussion and the fake front tooth that my brother Phil gifted me via a hard basketball foul. Or the seven broken noses that none of my siblings have any knowledge of or attributing factors. Sitting there and thinking about this, and I mean it, I, I went blank. And then all of a sudden it hit me. The one thing that kept on coming up to me was support. Sure, love, patience, understanding, kindness is a given with this crew. But support is key when you're a Glenn sibling. For example, my brother Ed. That guy will give you his last of anything so you have one of something. Or the time that my dad stopped the uh, car on the 6th Avenue River Bridge so my oldest brother, Mike, could beat up my sister's middle school bully. <laughs> or when we gather together as a family to mourn a loss. Now, I'm going to warn you, we laugh raucously at wakes and very often during funerals. An example, we're at my Uncle Chuck's funeral. And my brother Phil is sitting next to me, and he leans over to me, and as clearly and as loud as I'm speaking to you through this amplified device, he whispers his prognostication about an ant sitting 18 inches in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, she's next. <laughs> Look at her. <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Chuck, that truly was a lovely service. <laughs> but despite all of his tomfoolery, he was there. In fact, all of us Glens that were in the Midwest, we were there. And that's the kind of support you get when you're a Glen sibling. When my, father, <clears throat> when my father was in hospice, I could have sworn we were going to get kicked out. It was obscene, the amount of laughter and joy coming out of that room. Sure, we mourned, and we did that part really well. But before he left us, we supported him with laughter. So much to a point that my Uncle Pat told me that he was going to make my father's experience mandatory on his own deathbed. So back to my brother Phil. He's, <laughs> excuse me, he's the second youngest and my brewing partner over here at 1717 Brewing Company. And by default, we were linked together because we were the last two in the house growing up. 
and we were forced to be pals. And believe me, that at times was all one-sided. If this was a talk about how to torture and humiliate your younger brother, we'd be here all night. <laughs> Phil is a Navy vet. He was a medic in the first Gulf War. He, is, he was an unarmed combat medic with a Marine infantry outfit who was shipped to Kuwait and they were part of the invading force. Now up to this point, I didn't know much about families other than what kids generally know about families. I knew fun, games, cuts, scrapes, bruises, kickball, Christmases, family vacations, wrestling, wrestling at the dinner table for food, <laughs> etc. But I really didn't know what it meant to be part of a family like that. Now when he left for Kuwait, I was just a punk kid in high school. And when he got back, I was still a punk kid, but I had graduated high school. But I was a little bit more awake as to what it meant to be part of a family. So, pardon me. So a couple years, or a little time passes, and I get a call at work from my brother, Bill. Bill says to me, hey man, I'm out with Phil. Come meet us for a couple beers. I say, no, I can't. I'm working until 9, then I have homework, and i got to get up in the morning. Can't do it. Bill insists, and I still decline. And we do this for a few rounds until Bill's voice changes. It gets a little bit more stern. It gets a little bit more urgent. He says, look, man, Phil's in that special place, and you're the only guy who can control him. Okay, I get it. I'll be there in a little bit. Only problem was, you remember earlier when I said I was a punk kid? All I did was throw gasoline on the fire, right? Boom. But even in those times of just total chaos and good old-fashioned debauchery, it seemed like there was something that was keeping Phil from fully being there. And that night that Bill called me was the night that it all came out. So after a long evening of not studying, we end up back at the house to finish the night with a few more beers. And Phil has this seven-mile stare, and it doesn't sit right with me. So I pick at him. And I pick at him until he punches me square in the face. Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm the only one in this family with any kind of control or coup, so I react calmly. And I say, hey, brother, what gives? Seems like there might be something troubling you. Sad to say that did not happen. I swing back. <laughs> Poor Bill. Poor Bill tries to intervene real calm like he can, but he's like that guy who's approaching a dog without a collar and he doesn't know his dog. He's like, hey, man, take it easy, boy. <laughs> he's summarily dismissed by both of us, and I truly believe it was Bill's comical intervention that gave us the, the common space we needed to realize... Cooler heads need to prevail before we tear to the walls. Phil leaves, and I follow. A lot of things were said that night, mostly by Phil. And I tried my best to support, to listen, and to understand, even though I could not. I realized some things that night that, you know, sometimes some things run deeper than you realize, and that, 
the relief of being back in Iowa only meant that you're out of range, that, not that you're out of peril. Phil will tell you that he's lucky that he handled himself well over there, but he a, swallowed a lot of fear and a lot of emotion, and therefore he had a lot of issues when he got back here to the safe world. That was the first night that I was truly scared to lose a family member. It felt immediate, pardon me. It felt immediate and it felt inevitable. I tried my best to stay close and to support him, but only Phil could help himself. Luckily he did, and he's a much different guy today because of it. I grew up a lot that night. And I retell that account often. I just always leave the meat of the story out. I just talked about how Phil sucker punched me. <laughs> and we scared the hell out of Bill. Sorry, Bill. Years later, my mom passed. I wasn't in the hospice room when it happened. I was at home with my kids. But when I got there, Phil was there. That moment, my legs failed me. But he did not. He kept me upright. So when my kids bicker and pick at each other, I tell them, you're always gonna be there for each other. You're a Glenn, but you better repay that kindness with your presence. Love is unconditional, support takes work, and at times is uncomfortable and hard to do, but it's gonna come back to you when you need it the most. And even though he will not admit it to this day, that was a foul that broke my front tooth. Thank you for listening.